How is it that there are independent musicians out there who have no ties to any big record labels or financial backing able to get their music heard by millions of people and live out their dreams of being full-time musicians? That's the question, and on this podcast, we will discover the answers together. I'm Lizzie the Gifted, and this is the Music Mastery Podcast. Like, I know a lot of people are like, you know, I'm good at writing now, you know, like this is something that happens to people that I talk to about uh, when I'm trying to work with them with songwriting is like, they're like, you know, I'm already pretty good. And like, maybe they are pretty good, but like, it's like, they act as if you're done. It's like, oh, I, I figured that part out. Now we're onto the, like the marketing thing. It's like, yeah, you want to start doing marketing, you know, as soon as you can, you want to start building that too. But like, you are never done, you know, with songwriting, think- you're always getting better. No. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think to shed a little light on their perspective. Cause I, I'm a, I'm really an artist more than I am a producer. And, and I, I kind of have, I went through that same thing with myself where I was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. I can't speak for other people. I know for me, it was more of, you know, I'm all right at songwriting to a point where I'm proficient enough to put out music. That's solid. Yeah. So maybe my songwriting's at like a six out of 10, but my marketing's at like a one out mm-hmm. of 10. And it feels like mm-hmm. I'm wasting my time making music. Yeah. That's the shitty part about being an artist, truly, is that producers, we don't have to worry about that. Like, we have to worry about marketing our beats, which I'm, we're, I'm finding out it's like, if you follow MIDI money, like, it's not that mm-hmm. hard to market your beats. As a, oh, as yeah. a, as a musician, it's not that easy. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think, yeah, I think some of those artists definitely have a cocky attitude and like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. probably have too big of an ego. But I know for me, that wasn't really the case. It wasn't my ego. It was like, no, I know I need to work on songwriting, but I really need to work on marketing like yeah. way more, you know? Well, so. yeah, no, that's a good point. I mean, I think that also comes down to like, once you have a song that is pretty good, like this is a really good rule of thumb. Like this is something uh, I kept. I wish I knew um, who uh, who told me this. This was like a really famous uh, engineer who told me this, but Uh, What he says is like, you know, there's this problem that artists have and that everyone really has it. You know, engineers have it, producers have it. We're like, you kind of have like a bit of an intuition of when a song is done. Like, you know, like you wrote the parts, but you're like, yeah, it's not quite hitting right. You know, I want to constantly, you know, I want to work on it a little more. I want it to be perfect. But his advice is when a song sounds like a song, it's done. So I think once you as an artist made a song and it sounds like a song, like it's literally something that you could hear and you'd be like, Oh, that's a song. Like, you know, it's not just like a demo. It doesn't just sound like someone freestyling. It sounds like a finished song and something that could be released. Like once you're at that point and you have even just one of those, then it is start, it is time to start working on marketing. You do want to definitely make sure, you know, you, you do get that skill because that's really important as an artist and it's, it's really hard nowadays, you know? Yeah, it is. Okay. Before we get into marketing, I want to ask you a question for sure. my own selfish benefit, but I'm sure the rest <laughs> of the audience will get it. So where I'm at right now with making songs is, yep. you know, I'm, I'm, I want to know how to make a better bridge. Okay. So I'll format my songs. Let's say I do this. A lot of the songs I've been working on the past few weeks are like this intro verse hook or chorus. My bad verse yep. chorus two. Yep. And then, song could be done but then the song's like under three minutes yeah i'm like well there's a little bit more room and that's like maybe i throw an eight bar bridge chorus three 
yeah. how do you approach or that problem that I have is is it a bridge or do I do a rapping verse? Do I do I go with my bars again <laughs> or do I do yeah. a bridge? What is your approach to writing bridges? See, bridges are interesting because we're also at an interesting point in music where actually I think I would be willing to bet more songs don't have a bridge than do. I would say it's probably like almost 80% of songs don't even have bridges. A lot of people I know don't even know what a bridge is, Yeah. but bridges are interesting. What a bridge tradition was, and a lot of people don't know this. The reason songs, pop songs are three minutes is actually because the technology that came out when people originally made CDs, like a single, you know, the original technology, the vinyl, it literally had a time limit of three minutes and people wouldn't buy songs that weren't the full length of this, of the, the vinyl record. So the original purpose of a bridge actually happened because they literally needed to pad for time. So bridges almost always existed in that purpose. So that's funny to think about because if you think about music and its fundamental aspects, and we're not going to go too far on this tangent, but the fundamental aspects of music is all it is, is tension and release, you know, tension and release. Like that's what it is. Release is a chorus. That's the exciting part. A verse is just the tension. It's building to the chorus. Same thing with the intro. The intro is the tension that leads to either the verse, which is more tension or the, uh, the chorus, which is then, you know, also that's, that's the release. An interesting thing also you can listen to, again, a side, a side note, but we'll get back. When a song goes from intro to first verse instead of intro to chorus, a lot of the times what you'll notice is it, a smart producer and a smart songwriter will actually have a little bit of release at the first verse. So when you have an intro, that's your tension. And then there will be kind of like a crescendo. There will be like this like calming effect at the beginning of the first verse. So it starts off really calm, really like flat, you know, something really simple. So you're like, okay. The intro is over, the song is starting. And then it builds up throughout the, the verse, comes in huge crescendo and the chorus, you know, that's the exciting part. Um, so it's just tension and release. So here's the thing I want I would think about if I were you, thinking in terms of how you're writing a bridge. As bridges evolved, obviously they stopped just being a time filler. Right. Um, what, a bridge, what a bridge actually is, is a bridge is more or less the best way I always thought of um, as what its purpose is. It's the climax of the story. So you can almost think of a song. A song is almost like a movie in its structure, like where, or at least it traditionally was. Now it is a little different, but um, where it's like, it has acts, act one. What is the, what is the story? You know, like who are the characters? What are they doing? What's happening? The verse just tells the story. The chorus, you know, this is actually a good way to think of songs too. A chorus, all choruses is you're saying what the song is about. Like that's literally what it is. Like you're saying the, purpose of the song and then the verse tells the, the story about why the song is about that so verse one is act one it's like you know what who are the characters what happens like where's you know like how do they get to know each other you know what happened uh verse two is the second the uh, the second act so it's like uh you know they know each other now there's problems this happened this happened there's these problems and uh then it comes to this huge like fighter, like the, the climax of the conflict at the end. Then you have the course again and all a bridge is, I like to think of a bridge as it's the third back. It's the resolute. It's put the, the, you, you kind of close up the story. So if you're going to actually have a bridge, a bridge is going to be the part of the song where you explain the resolution of the song. Now, typically musically, you're going to do that in a way that's a little different where like with rap, it's interesting because rap, you kind of always, I find with rap, you want to go like with a different approach where like 
You just want to make sure that the bridge itself is musically differentiated in the sense that it's not another verse. Cause I know a lot of rappers, they'll just have three verses and you don't want to do that. I find that if, if you're going to have a feature, you definitely want to put it as the bridge, as the thing that completes it. If you can, um, with pop, it's also different or with other like more sung genres, it's different because you can actually explore different territories. You can take the song to a different place. Like one thing I love about like country, for example, and I'm not the biggest country guy, but country is great because it's so like, it's so structured. What they like to do in, in the bridge is they like to have, throw a curveball in there. They also like to do that in the chorus a little bit too, where like the whole song will be like about like love. It's like, you know, I met you at the bar, you know, blah, blah, blah. I got to, got to know them, got your love them. And the end of the chorus is I just don't love you anymore. You know, like something like that. Like the whole song was about getting to love them. But then there's the conflict. It's like, I actually don't love you anymore. And like, that's the point of the song. That's what hits you. Um, and then you're like, wow, that's really crazy. And in country, what they'll do is their bridge will be about the, uh, the shock. The bridge, the bridge will be about the part about that one part. Or maybe, the maybe the, the bridge is like, wait, maybe I do love you. It no, could actually be that. And then you're it's like, no, I don't actually. You could do, do the M. Night Shyamalan approach where you just throw the twist in the bridge. I think it works. I think that's a great way to do it. Too. I don't really get why people don't like country. I never get that. Like when people go... I ask him what your what music you listen to. ABC, anything but country. I'm like, really? Yeah, why? Yeah. Like, why? Like, I say ABM, anything but metal. I'm, and by the way, I heard a metal song yeah. last night on TikTok. I was like, this shit is a banger. Hold up, maybe oh, yeah. I'm sleeping on. It was like, and I was like, yeah. oh, bang. But like, why do people? I don't get why. I I personally just don't get why people don't like country. Like, if you like pop, you should like country. Oh yeah, well, because they're so similar. If you like rock, you should like it too. Here's here's what's funny about country, and it's funny about metal too, because it's the exact same problem. First of all, funny little story. I didn't know if you know this or not. I started from metal. That was the first thing I did. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, that's I was a metal singer. Yeah, so it's funny because now (laughs) I sing with this this pop boy sound where it's like, but I can like I can yell. It's hilarious. I'm not gonna do this on stream. Please don't. Thank you. But but I need to hear it another time. Actually, I'll definitely. Show you some of my old stuff. You're gonna be like, "That's you." What? But um, oh yeah, it'll be wild. But here's the interesting thing. Here's why I think people don't like country and why I think they don't like metal. Metal is different because metal also is sonically totally different. Right. Whereas country, country is actually really funny because I think country musically is very similar to pop and rock, and not at the same time. There, I think there's two types of modern country. Where there's modern country that's just pop music, but with a southern accent, and then there's uh there's country music that's just Nickelback, but with a country accent. Like that's literally the two types of country and, or at least the two main types. There's also ballads and stuff. Um, but what, what I think it is, I think it's identity. I think the reason people don't like country and they, the reason they don't like metal is because they don't want to be identified as the type of person that listens to that because country and metal out of all genres I could think of, maybe hip hop's an exception, but hip hop's so popular. It doesn't matter. You those first of all, those genres, country and metal, they're a little niche. Not everyone listens to them, but you have a very specific idea of the type of people that do listen to them, and you don't want to be affiliated with those people. That's what it is. And it's not to say you don't like them; it's just that you don't feel like you fit into that crowd. So you feel like if you say, "Oh, I love country," people are going to think that you have a cowboy hat and that you know you have hoedowns every week. You know I've, what I mean? I personally really like country, and like, oh, I never yeah. liked it until like. 
my ex-girlfriend really put me onto it. <laughs> and she oh she was like, that was her favorite genre. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm pretty open-minded. And yeah. Man, I went to a couple of country concerts. Dirks Bentley. Yeah. And I was like, this dude, I swear to God, I've been to hella concerts. Dirks Bentley, Shoreline Amphitheater in San Jose, California, was one of the best concerts I've been to my entire life. That's and I was amazing. like, yo, country is is dope as fuck. Like, I like country. It's got hella good stories. I'm secretly, <laughs> like, I secretly want to live on a farm. Like, me and my dad, we want we want to live oh, on a yeah. farm. Like, we don't even want to live in the city. Like, yeah. I like the beach too, but I, I want to live in the country. And I like that. And country music, it really oh, does like depict <sighs> that sitting oh, on the yeah. porch, open, open playing sunset with with your shotgun or whatever yeah. or i don't even yeah, you know exactly. it's not always about that it, yeah in your that truck simple, with the girls and a beer yeah but it's yeah. it's just i i get the i get it like i lived this is so bro this is slight tangent but i don't it's my fucking podcast like yeah i went whatever to school you want. Called, <laughs> yeah i went to a school called chico state big shout out chico state chico state's in mm. california but it's a small yep. farm town uh it's a college town so but outside of the college everybody's like it's farming and shit so people listen to country and shit like that there's a country bar in chico and it's a thing like country like there is a little sector of of it that's country and i realized that there's this vibe you know there's a vibe to a small town and not a small urban town like i live in a small urban town where i live is it's like trying to be a metropolis, but it's like 30,000, 60,000 people live here. So yep. It's not San Francisco, but like we're trying to be. But yep. then there's towns that are like small rural towns. Then country music depicts that, you know? And yeah. I feel like with rap sometimes, it's all about how many bitches you fuck, how, yeah. how icy your teeth are, Straight right? Up. And yeah. how many drugs you take. And I'm like, I don't even yeah. fucking live that life. But country music is all talking about having fun, riding around in the trucks, simple, small town vibe. And it's never about gaudy, fake shit. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the funny thing, though. And that brings up another point. Think about hip-hop, right? I think this actually really illustrates that it comes down to, to, um, to you know, identification and, you know, like what you feel like you resonate with. Hip-hop used to be literally just like only how thug are you? Like how many people do you kill? How much bling you got? You know what I mean? How much drugs you, you know, how much weight you, you sell, you know, like the thing about hip hop though, is it's really like, it is, that is the heart of it. You know, like that's the legacy of it, but it's not all like that. Dude, there are so many hip hop artists that like rap about anime now. You know right. what I mean? Like, well, then there's, there's dudes like me. I'm not, I'm not thug or hood or, yeah. or anything. None of that shit. I'm me. I think about, think about like logic, dude. He's like uh, literally his, his whole thing is he's a nerd. You know what I mean? Like, but he's he actually one of the most hood dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And he's literally like, he actually is like that, which is hilarious. Cause that's not even what his bars are about. Well, like, he's not that. a hood dude. His background is his background is he's I, yeah, really from, he's from. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the funny part about the whole thing. But I think that's what's great about hip hop. And I think that's what's almost led hip hop to be the dominant genre of our culture of our times is that so inclusive and it doesn't like shun you. It doesn't judge you yeah. like, which is weird because you would think that it would, but like, yeah. think about this. 
I talked about so many people about this because, you know, I came from a rock metal background and a big conversation was always what happened to rock? It was the dominant genre for 50 years and it died within the span of less than five. Rock was the most popular genre until I think 2006 to eight, somewhere in there. And it died by 2013. It was gone. No one was making rock music. And it was like, what happened? And here's what happened. Uh, what happened with rock is it became so elitist and so specific about the things that it accepts and the things that it doesn't, that it didn't want anyone or anything to not be what it already liked. So rock had no, it didn't have the sense of growth to it. You couldn't try new things. You couldn't be a rock art. You couldn't be like, let's say you were, what was a good example? Like uh, Blink-182, right? Or like, like a punk band, a ska band or something like that. You couldn't be that kind of band and then make, a rap, a rap like album or a country album or a pop album, but you can totally be like a pop artist and make a rap album and no one really cares if it's good. You know what I mean? But rock, rock, if you're trying to make money, you sold out, you know, like there's that whole sellout culture and that whole, like there's this try, trying to fit in and fit in with the status quo amongst like amongst them that it's like this elitist society and that's what I think allows genres to die. And hip hop, what's good about hip hop is it's always been so inclusive. If you're good, it's a meritocracy. You know, you right. rise to the top, you know? And, it, and, it's, and it's, it's such a big time fusion. Like hip hop is so like, oh, yeah. there's so much fusion when it comes to hip hop, you know? Like hip hop can literally be anything. Like there's country rap. Yeah, Lil Nas, dude. Yeah, I mean, there's... Um, there's rap with some rock in it. You know, Lil Peep was yeah, technically there's, a there's rapper. There's trap metal, dude. Yeah, there's trap yeah. metal. And yeah, like um, Juice World had a lot of elements of rock. So does Post Malone. Yeah. He has a lot of elements of rock. Oh, yeah. and, but For then sure. you've got then you got artists like Drake who blurred the lines between rapping and singing. And then now it's R&B. Mm-hmm. Then it's also pop. But then it's also rap. It's like, that's one of the other reasons that I feel like you talked about inclusion and with that inclusion becomes fusion. And now, now everybody can do hip hop and you got guys like Lil Dicky. You got guys like Mike Stud, you know, yeah. uh, then you got Machine Gun Kelly who just did an alternative rock album. I just named a bunch of white rappers intentionally yep. because rap used to not really be white. Even when Eminem did it, even Eminem did, yeah. did it, it, it wasn't fully white yet. You know, oh, yeah. no, he, Eminem was the, was, the he was the token white guy. He was like, yeah. no, this yeah. guy can do it. But then it was like, slowly but surely oh, more, yeah. you know, more white guys came in and, you know, got to give it up to him. He is the guy who paved the way for white artists in rap. He did. Yeah. Well, Pioneer. talk about like, talk about a transition to marketing, bro. That's what it is with, uh, with Eminem is Eminem was the epitome of a great marketer. Cause he, all he wanted like basically his entire marketing strategy was how can I get attention? Even as far as like he was white, that already qualified him for that status. And he was amazing at what he did, you know? So he, he immediately had that attention, but he took it even further. He's like, how can I say the most outrageous things that I can say? So people can't help but talk about me on the news and on anything. And they can't shut me out, you know, cause I'm this white rapper. You can't shut me out now cause I'm too loud. You can't ignore me, you know? Right. Hey, could you imagine if Takashi was like really good at rap? Oh, it would be crazy. He would be, <laughs> he'd be, I just heard him on an interview with Angie Martinez and he literally was like, I don't even try 
Yeah. Like when I'm in the studio, we just have fun. And he like recited one of his lyrics and he's like, she give me Fifi. He's like, what the fuck like, what does that even mean? mean? He's like making fun of himself. He's like, we don't yeah. even try. He's like, I don't, I'm not trying at all. Yeah. And I, and I actually, for him saying stuff like that, I respect because I'm mm. like, at least you're being upfront with the fact that you're not trying. I, I, what bothers me a lot is this really bothers me when artists talk about <laughs> the like meaning of their music. And I, and I, yeah. I sound like such a dick because yeah. what I'm going to say, but I'm like, but your music doesn't have that. Like you're acting yeah. like this is what this album is about. I'm like, yeah. but you're not talking about that. Like maybe that's what's going on in your life, but you didn't communicate that at all in the music. Like all you oh, talked yeah. about was cars, money, and this bling bling <laughs> lifestyle. What are you talking about with your music having this meaning? Like, where is it? You know, yep. a lot of these mum, I don't like mumble rap as a term, but the artists who tend to do the high pitched auto tune rap with yep. triplet flow, they tend to do that. This album is about blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, what are you to when, when, when was it about that? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny how artists like Drake who really influenced the culture don't say stuff like that. He just says oh, it with yeah. his music, but really his music is the one that's influencing, right? Exactly. Well, that's the thing is they understand that what's powerful about music is when you can use it to compel other people to speak for you. Yeah. That's the whole thing about it. You want it to take itself to the next level. You don't right. even want to push it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we're slowly transitioning into marketing. I love yeah. this stuff though, right? Oh yeah. Um, um, guys like, 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 like I'm like guys like Takashi who like, I mean, I can't sit here and say his music has zero value. Like, I don't say that. I don't think that because there's people who I've seen legit like his music and yeah, before he was snitching and like all that, like his first song was fire. I don't remember the, the some name of the of songs it. are pretty. What hard. was that yeah. first song he came with that he Dude, just went? It's to? hard because all of them are a variation of like he he or t t t t t or fee like fee or zz or fee fee zz. It's literally all the same. His first one was called Gummo. Gummo, that's what it was. That yeah. was the one I where I was that. like, this song is hard as shit. Like everyone yeah, talking shit about hard. this dude, yeah. I don't get it because this dude killed it, but. Obviously, he we found out he snitched and all that. So anyway, but yeah. to transition into marketing, um, I guess to try to transition into marketing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm on a whole nother fucking tip now with marketing. Like, I'm on this whole other like, because I just started thinking about shit. You know what I'm saying? And mm -hmm. I've started, I've read, you know, and I've researched and like, Dude, it's all bullshit. Like Instagram yeah. is bullshit. Spotify bullshit. is bullshit. The only platform that's not bullshit is Facebook advertising for now. Yeah. And email marketing and sales funnels. And it's like the shit that you and I do with producing where we do like a Facebook ad, which leads to a funnel, which leads to email marketing. Yep. I'm learning not just from our boy Brennan, but I've even learned this before. He and I linked was was you can do that same formula that all these businesses do as a, as, as a musician, right? And I'll, I'll mm. share this with the, with the audience. This is just some new shit that I'm on like as of yesterday. Where if you're an artist, first off, if you're an artist, you have to understand, and we could tell, we, I'll, I'll relate this to the beat selling thing. 
if you're an artist, you need to understand the lack of value you get from Instagram and the lack of value you get from Spotify and Apple Music and radio plays and blog placements and influencers shouting you out on their Instagram stories, like all of that. Mm -hmm. If you make, if you do a million streams on a song, you'll get $3,000. You have to really put, that's revenue. You have to really put that to perspective to think, and I I really want to break that down. A million streams is $3,000 revenue. But did you make the beat? Oh, you bought the beat. That takes away from the revenue. How was mixing and mastering? Oh, you paid for mixing and mastering. Take it away. How did you get those million streams? Did you pay for marketing at all? Because there's no way Mm. a fresh up-and-coming artist gets a million streams without putting money down for marketing. Now, how much money do you have in profit? Definitely less than 1,000. Even less than $500. For a million fucking streams. Uh How many of you listening are going to get a mil? 1M streams. You're not. But so the point of it is, even if you self-produce the music, you still have to pay for marketing. And even at that point, you're going to, dude, you're going to get, I know somebody who paid 1500 bucks for PR and got like 500,000 streams, which was lit. And they got in the room with Atlantic. That was lit. But you paid 1500. That means you lost money on the, with the streaming revenue, basically. Or you, you, you know, you probably, yeah, because he had to pay the producers. So he definitely lost money. And so I'm trying to, and I'm not the only one saying this, by the way, like, I don't want to be looked at as he's a revolutionary. I learned this concept from other people that you shouldn't worry about all of that. And like the record labels own Spotify. They don't own it like the company, but all of the clout, all these playlists are owned by either Spotify themselves or labels. And if they're owned by Spotify, the labels are heavily pumping money to Spotify being like, push this artist, push like rap caviar. Like you guys think rap caviar is an organic playlist. There's labels paying for artists to be on rap caviar. So you're playing a losing game. Um, I'm getting really upset, huh? Oh yeah. And well, then, let me ask you this though, because I think this will be valuable for the audience. What yeah. do you, what is your opinion on the role of labels in today's uh, in today's music industry for both like big artists, but then also for independent upcoming artists? Uh, so when I went to, I'll answer this. When I went to Chico State, I took one music industry class because I was majoring in business, and his name, the teacher's name was Keith Seppinen, and he engineered for fucking Bill Withers, Prince. Earth, Wind, and Fire. He did Whitney Houston. He did Michael Jackson. Like crazy shit. I asked him that. I said, hey, do you think record labels will ever just be gone? No. He was like damn near mad I even asked. But he was like, no way. And I was like, but what about the rise of artists like Chance the Rapper or Macklemore? No. He was like really like, I don't know. It's kind of weird to be honest with you. But he was really (laughs) upset that I even asked it. No. Like it's, there's, there's always going to be a place and I'm not a conspiracy. I think he was right. I think there will always be a place for labels. Um, where my opinion is 
is I'm starting to learn about things that just, it just doesn't make sense to get signed with. Hey, 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 get that, bet that, jump shot, wet that, post moves, no rules, chef that, no boo, get that, bet that, jump shot, wet that, post moves, no rules, chef that, no boo, get it how I want, get it how I want.